Thank you very much for making your way to Ellis Hall. There is a bit of a traffic jam at the coffee station, uh, so don't feel in any way that you couldn't go back for more. Um, it has died down. Um, it has been such a wonderful uh, journey to go on with the members of our steering committee for the block. I, they, they may have thought, well, it's been wonderful. Thanks for your service. But it's just the beginning. We're just getting warmed up. Uh, but I do give thanks for each of them. We divided out the work this year. Uh, I'm particularly thankful today for Laurie Reinking, Leighton Strabman, for their work as we have uh, stepped out to look at what's happening in churches around the country, as well as literally just down the road here in Midtown. Lots of exciting uh, things happening. You may have seen it in newspapers. You may have visited places. Just to reiterate, we may say it at least 27 times this morning, though it is fundamental, vital, essential, central, that we hear from you uh, that, that this is a shared process. So that includes if you go on vacation or head out somewhere for Thanksgiving or whatever it happens to be, um, talk to somebody uh, at work or on a plane about a church you heard of, or they, they're part of, or what it happens to be, we would love to learn from that experience. So this year of learning together doesn't mean that next year we're done with it. Uh, we continue to wish to be inspired by others. And in that spirit of inspiration and exploration, I'm going to hand over to Leighton and Laurie, and I'll dive in. Thank you. Yeah, you're, you're, okay. Okay, we thought uh, uh, before we started talking about the future of our block, it might be helpful just to review briefly what our current situation is on our block. So uh, this is an aerial photo of our campus uh, bordered by West Peachtree, North Avenue, Spring Street, and Ponce de Leon. Here's the church here, uh, Eggleston Hall, Parish House where we are, the Pritchett Children's Center and Playground, Tate Hall, uh, I think that's the Covenant community, uh, Goodfellas, and this is the, the property we were able to acquire over the last few years with, with your generosity, which gave us control of the entire block. Uh, I believe we own a total of nine parcels uh, in, in total. Um, as far as our neighbors, uh, to our north is the new Norfolk Southern uh, headquarters under construction. You can see out the window and, and beyond that, Tech Square. To the east is the uh, North Avenue MARTA station, which I think we've shared this before, is currently seeking development partners. So we don't know what that's going to look like exactly, but um, you can expect uh, some kind of development, something along the lines of um, the Lindbergh station, maybe not quite to that, to that scale, but there's going to be significant change across the street in the next few years as well. Um, to, the, to the south, uh, Emory, Uni Emory University Hospital Midtown, and to the west, uh, the Varsity, of course, and Georgia Tech. Thank you all for being here. We're so excited to talk to you about what we've learned as we've been imagining what can happen with the future of our block this past year. And if you've been with us at one of our previous sessions, you may have seen this image. It's one of our favorites that we came across. All of those colored buildings um, just since January 2018, or either completed, begun construction, or approved for construction. And I think it's really remarkable just how the landscape of Midtown has changed. So that was the focus of our first session together. 
was just about the changes happening in Midtown, which is becoming such a vibrant neighborhood, a hub of innovation and jobs. Then during our second session, we talked about what's going on with our institutional partners, with Georgia Tech and with Emory, what they currently have going on in Midtown and what they envision for the future. In our third session together, we heard from some partners who are working in to serve in nonprofits. We found out from them what their current challenges are with the communities that they serve and what would be beneficial to them. And so today, we wanted to talk about what we learned from other churches. We had the opportunity to meet with churches all over the country um, at all different stages of a process similar to ours, from just envisioning what could happen or through completion of their projects. And we took away some good practices that we wanted to bring to the work that we do here at All Saints. And we also found out about some pitfalls that we hope to be able to avoid. So this morning, we just wanted to share some of our favorite success stories and um, highlight some of those key takeaways. Okay, as we began exploring, uh, we were surprised about uh, just how many uh, churches were beginning to think about their, um, their buildings and grounds in, in uh, new ways. And this is just a small sampling of some of the churches uh, we learned about that were in you know, some stage of the, the visiting, visioning process. And hearing their stories was very enlightening to us um, as we have begun our discernment process. Members of our Future of the Block Committee uh, had the opportunity to take some field trips to hear about some of these churches in person. And most recently, Michael Gragnani and Simon traveled to New York City to take a look at a few of those churches. You wanna share with us some of the yeah, things that you learned? So that is St. Bart's Episcopal Church, um, where Michael and I made a, a, a pit stop. I'm trying to see the image next. That's awesome, Bart's, there it is. Um, that is, uh, well known because of uh, the long-standing air rights question that they had there in a particular part of town. I'm not sure the next slide also has something of the other church that we visited and spent quite a bit of time on was Trinity Wall Street. You may have heard me refer to Trinity as they got a couple of dollars in the bank, which helps them um, <laughs> get by. Um, so what they've done is this uh, I extraordinary renovation. The first in maybe 60 years, it's the first time. Imagine about deferred maintenance. Trinity Wall Street doesn't seem to add up, but first time in 60 years they've really done something significant to the interior of their church building, and that's it there. But that view of the Trinity's church building is from across the street from the now-completed Trinity, uh, the Trinity Commons Tower. And you can see what they've done there, that the stacking of this tower has community public spaces. Uh, it has a beautiful gym. It was lovely to hear from their rector, Bill Lopner, that they came to All Saints and were so inspired by our attic uh, that they took our attic and raised us a gym. Um, and for their spaces, we'll, we'll, we'll return the favor in time. Um, but um, so they've got these spaces open to the public because it's extremely dense amount of um, uh, people coming to work, but what we also noticed across the street from Trinity, people are coming to live, uh, and there was a whole, there's always a Whole Foods going in, but there was a Whole Foods going in across, I think across Wall Street from them. Then you see uh, office spaces, Trinity, a little exceptional, they have 200 staff members, so they had a few desks to fit in there, um, I think the mechanical rooms. So the majority of that tower is commercial office space, that's the model that they pursued. Um, so fascinating, even a church with that many resources seeks to 
sustain the long-term maintenance of that building and develop it uh, uh, via the, the leasing of commercial office space. Okay. Next one. Uh, let's see. We, we need go a picture of, of, Vancouver. Uh, of Vancouver. There we go. Um, so I had the opportunity to be in uh, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada um, earlier this year and paid a visit to Christchurch Cathedral. Um, it was amazing. They, they convened all these leaders that had worked on their projects um, for me, and I wonder why they were being so nice to me. And it turns out that um, I, well I sat down with them, and they said, you know, how's Jeffrey? And, um, <laughs> and uh, they're um, they very familiar with our, our, our parish, um, so it just kind of shows we're one big happy Anglican family. But um, it's an historic church uh, right in the heart of, of Vancouver. Um, it's very similar to All Saints, and then they have an old building, and it's very close to uh, public transit. Um, they have a very inclusive atmosphere, but they have a much smaller um, average Sunday attendance than we have. Um, uh, uh, several years ago, they were in a, a period of uh, severe financial distress and were beginning to use their endowment for their operational um, you know, uh, uh, expenses. And the members voted to actually go bold and tear the building down, which is sort of unthinkable. And the public uh, objected to the, the um, the, the renovation and the, and the redevelopment of the property, particularly the preservation community. And the city actually refused to grant a, a demolition permit, which is you know, very interesting to me. Um, eventually, the building was named a, a heritage building, and the city actually paid for part of the renovation of the church. And the, uh, the cathedral was also one of the first churches in Canada to do a development deal with a, a developer to build a, a high-rise office tower on their property. And this gives them you know, some income uh, every year, um, some building space, and, and parking. Um, a key takeaway, though, I think, for this, for this church, uh, as far as our work goes, is that the, the, the projects were really driven by a need for preservation and income, and not really the, the ministry and mission of the cathedral. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, ready for the next slide, please. Uh, much closer to home, we're probably all familiar with um, uh, St. Mark United Methodist, which is uh, right in our neighborhood. Um, you may have read about some of their, their projects in the news, and their, their project has had several iterations through the years, and it's been a decade in the making. They had uh, initially wanted to include affordable housing in their project, but um, they also needed to retire debt, and they needed to acquire more parking. So what uh, they've turned out... Uh, their final project turned out to be uh, an apartment, 26-story apartment complex with retail uh, on the ground floor and a parking deck. So this is going to give them uh, uh, you know, some, uh, some income for, for debt retirement. Uh, it's going to give them parking. But uh, again, it doesn't, it, they've sort of lost their opportunity to really galvanize their, their <coughs> mission and, and, and ministry through, through this project. And we, we hope that whatever we do will allow us to you know, propel our, our mission and ministry forward. In September, Simon and I had the opportunity to attend a SEEP conference at Canuga. And SEEP stands for the Consortium of Endowed Episcopal Parishes. And churches from as far away as Alaska came together to talk about the topic of funding ministry through innovation. So it was a really great time for that topic to come up. For, for our church, we were able to hear some really interesting stories from churches around the country and what they had done to be innovative 
and we made some connections that have been valuable and will prove valuable as we continue with this work. Um, as you can see in this picture, that's uh, Simon and I giving a presentation. We were invited to speak because of the unique nature of our situation at All Saints, where we are choosing to look at a project not because we're driven because of financial need, but in order to expand our ministry and establish a legacy for ministry going forward. So you can see we were, um, we had lots of questions and it was a really engaged group of people. I was, I was so pleased to, to get to know them. So we've talked to plenty of churches and as Simon mentioned at the beginning, we would love to continue to learn even though we're reporting back on this now. Um, if there's a church that you would like for us to know more about that you think would be valuable, please uh, do let one of us know. Okay, as, as we were thinking about some of the, the, the key things we've learned um, from the various churches, we wanted to share some of those concepts with you. And really, one of the most important ones is to, to get grounded uh, in your guiding principles of, of your church. Uh, this is the first Presbyterian church in, in Midtown. You're probably all familiar with it. Um, again, it has many similarities to our parish. They are slightly ahead of us in their visioning process. And they're they have been trying to, to move beyond um, projects that deal with a particular uh, issue with a ministry or dealing with a particular building on their, on their grounds and look at a more uh, holistic approach um, for their next half century. Um, they see this as an opportunity of, uh, as about being, the, being about their whole mission uh, for the church. Um, they've explored the needs of the city, particularly homelessness, uh, changing patterns of church giving, uh, worship styles, and giving patterns. Um, they've been thinking through the maze of, of, of the flow through the maze of buildings on their campus, that should sound familiar, um, and the need for informal uh, worship space. They've uh, engaged um, all the constituencies, members of the parish, um, different members of the community, and they've utilized an outside consultant to help with the visioning process. Um, they realized they went into the, the visioning process a little early and decided to take a few steps back and they needed to name their guiding principles and core values first, which later allowed them to assess their, their vision better. So overall, I think First Presbyterian offers a very strong model of collaboration among the congregation and the neighborhood and working with um, a consultant. The next key takeaway um, that we gained from all of our research was that communication must be at the heart of the process. These are images of the Church of the Heavenly Rest, which is in Manhattan. It's one of the churches that presented at the Seed Conference, and then subsequently Simon and Michael had a chance to go visit in person. Um, while their situation wasn't exactly um, the same as ours, communication is something that they felt that they did well in their project that we wanna take away. The church had a school that was on its property that had been there for decades and was taking up more and more of their square footage so the church didn't feel like it had enough um, meeting space to operate. Um, it was the decision that was made by the vestry that the best path forward would be to end the lease with the school, to look for a new school partner that would need a smaller amount of space, which would open up more space for the church, and then by offering the new lease at market rates, they could be bringing in as much income as they had been before. 
But as you can imagine, if the school had been part of the church property for decades, it was a communication challenge um, to make sure that everyone else was on board, that that was the best path forward for the church. Um, so through many forums such as this, lots of meetings in people's homes, they went through a, an extensive process to make sure that everyone was on board, and it ended up being a win-win situation as the school that was currently there was actually looking for a bigger space and was able to move on. Um, but we thought that that was a, a great example. Um, you have something else to say about Heavenly you notice that there's an image in the bottom right corner. It's also in the third page, the inside pages of this uh, insert that you have, your takeaway. Um, and that's a, a cafe. It's the Bluestone Lane, Upper East Side Cafe at Church of the Heavenly Rest. And so the communication worked both ways. They certainly set the standard in many ways. We feel across the churches that we met in just the sheer quality and, frankly, persistence of their communication. Uh, they wouldn't, wouldn't stop communicating. Um, that was very effective for them internally in terms of their parish community. But the communication also worked externally. And so they're between the Guggenheim and another museum in the middle of Manhattan, and they discovered that people didn't know they were there. They just would literally walk past them between one landmark and another in Manhattan. And so part of the genesis for this, uh, now, that you have, now that they have this cafe, was to find a way for people to, to literally kind of take a heavenly rest stop. Um, I should probably tell them that line. They could uh, use it. But, um, but, and what's happened is that that has placed them on the map not only as a place to get really good coffee, and as you can see, in a pretty unique setting, um, but also, Michael and I were there for quite a while. Uh, I was chatting to the security guys. We were waiting for our team to come and find us. And we must have seen, I don't know, 20, uh, uh, with 20 different strollers come in with somebody pushing them. You know, so they have, uh, for young families, they had activities going on. There was an art exhibition of art from Cuba in the Undercroft. There were people coming in and out of the church. So a church that had largely been quiet through the week, um, has uh, now changed that radically simply by saying our buildings and what we do with them, and it's a small sliver of their total square footage, very small indeed, our buildings communicate that we are here and open for you. And we saw that, again, not only with people buying coffee, but people using the spaces for all sorts of reasons. So they're, they're a great, if you get, you're planning a trip to Manhattan, I warmly commend to you, Church of the Heavenly Rest, to, just to go and see what it's like for yourself. Can you also speak to, to this one? Thanks. So this is St. John's Getty Square. This is a really, in many ways, the most exciting of them all for me. Um, this is a late 1800s church building. Michael and I had, a, I think, a common experience when we walked in. Um, on the outside of the building, it is not in good repair. The buildings and grounds otherwise are in poor repair. I, don't, I think they wouldn't mind me saying that. It's just the way it goes. Um, it's in a it's in uh, Yonkers, which is becoming, they said Yonkers is becoming a new kind of uh, Brooklyn in their view, that a lot of high rise is happening. So it's about to just turn that corner and you walk into the church and it's pristine and beautiful and just an incredible space. And it's quite possible that a congregation could say, let's just, uh, that, and they're a dwindling congregation, let's just keep coming to our beautiful space. It's a lot nicer than the world outside and uh, prepare to meet our end, so to speak. And they have chosen to do the opposite of that. They've decided to prepare to meet the city where it's at. 
And so uh, the rector of Christchurch, Bronxville, Michael Bird, has got involved with this parish um, and the encouragement of the bishop, lots of local partnerships. And what they're going to do is on the property, um, again, do another stacking project. It will have a school for the performing arts, which in that part of the world uh, is both a ready-made market, but also Michael's work at, in Bronxville has been to set up an after-school program for the performing arts that has been life-saving for many youth. Um, really powerful way to make an inroad into not only something that local schools are not offering because of resources, but actually they're, they're getting, um, they're finding their life having new hope, new connections. They've become many, many times more diverse as a community because of that arts program. So they've taken that idea and seeded it here at St. John's Getty Square. They will go up to maybe 20 floors, I think that's what they had said, and so they'll have a school, for, an Episcopal school for the performing arts, um, and they'll build uh, a various sort of a panoply of housing. I think a lot of it will be affordable housing. It will be a range of mixed housing that will fund the school. So in many ways, this tiny congregation has decided to go all out. You know, what is it they say about Texas? Go big or go home. That's what they decided to do in Yonkers um, to, to maximize their impact for mission, reading the community around them, having learned that because they've been invested in the community in Bronxville, so in that area for many years. So in many ways, that was so exciting because they were so audacious and what they felt they could do to make a difference in their part of the world. The next key takeaway was about the value that partnerships could bring. And this is a little tiny church called Church of the Advocate in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is a small parish and not a wealthy parish from a financial standpoint, but they did do have land assets. And they decided as a church to make that land of a benefit to the community. And they made it known that that was their intention. Um, what I really love about this example is their philosophy of collaborative resourcing for ministry, which is what they called their combination of taking civic leaders and leaders of public er, uni universities that are in the area of for-profit and not-for-profit groups and all working together outside of the normal church sphere to offer a, something for mission. So right now, Church of the Advocate is home to two missions. One is called the Pee Wee Homes Collaborative, and it's a tiny house community, which is working to address the problem of affordable housing in the area. And the other thing they came up with is called Piedmont Patch, where they are working to restore the local ecosystem with native plants and educate the community about the importance of that. So they bring in school children and tie in the universities, and um, they're able to use their land in a small pond um, to, to serve the community in that way. So again, while a very different situation to what we would have at All Saints, the, the value of leveraging partnerships to maximize mission was, was something we really took away from this example. Okay, so fairly early in our, in our work, we realized that a large portion of the churches we were looking at uh, were motivated um, by financial, uh, you know, financial, for financial reasons. And you know, we are part of a much um, stronger, more vibrant congregation here. And as we consider the opportunity we have to, um, you know, to, to build the future of our block, um, we, um, 
we can really build a legacy, we feel like, and, and um, uh, you know, not solve a pressing problem like a lot of these churches have been doing, but, but really um, you know, look to the future. And we are, we're, we're not being pushed, we're, we're choosing to move toward the future. So I think now we wanna talk about our plan going forward, but do we have time for questions now, Simon, or? We might switch um, you to Simon then. Okay. So um, wanted to transition here. We'll have time for questions about what we've seen and, uh, and other pieces. Uh, and I want to just uh, take a moment here to, to briefly introduce the boss, Michael Gragnani, uh, who's the chair of the steering committee. And again, I just want to reiterate, as we go through these stages, and knowing that this is truly art, not science, and if we're serious about being the church, this is God's work, not ours, which personally I take as a great stress reliever. Um, <laughs> but it is so fundamental that it, what we heard again and again and again is just the value of engagement. You'll see as part of this process, this desire to have conversations deeply with, it, with ourselves and deeply beyond ourselves. And it's that, that taking that time, and it's just struck me listening to our presentation this morning, how good it's been to take our time because we don't have a pressing crisis of some sort, um, we're able to, to say, let's just hold off a second before we dive in. The pool we all wanna dive into is, let me share my greatest dream I've ever had for all saints. Uh, that we'll get to. But this year, to learn about what's happening around us, and it's a complex and exciting picture. And I think we would have been much poorer without that this season together this year of learning all that we could. Uh, so I want to um, just reiterate that Wherever you've been involved in this process, to whatever degree, I please don't leave this room thinking, well, I've got nothing to share for that. I've got no, this has nothing to do with me. It is so fundamental. We really don't want to turn up at your house with pie and ask you to sit down for half an hour because we've been struggling to find you. We could do that, but we really want to have that conversation with you. We really want to hear from you, which is a challenge with 3,000 people. And we want to have that conversation with kindergartners uh, all the way to the other end of the spectrum in terms of age. It's really important for us to hear because discernment is the work of community as the spirit moves up around us and within us. So, uh, Mr. Chairman, the floor is yours. Thank you, Simon. <clears throat> it's funny that you refer to me as the boss. I literally, um, as I was pulling in this morning, my radio doesn't change from E Street Radio. And so the line that I heard as I was pulling in was, I believe in the faith that will save me, and I pray one day it will raise me. So um, I'm with you, Simon. <laughs> this is God's work here. Um, we, we, we learned a lot um, in our trip to New York, and there's two things that, that I learned and I've kind of held closely to me since then. Um, one was on a positive note from Christ Church in Bronxville. One thing that they did is they engaged the parish, and they asked them to tell us your story. And there's gonna be an opportunity for that in January and throughout the year for you to tell us why you're here and what this place means to you. Uh, the other thing I learned is one that uh, we probably won't uh, use in this group. Uh, we'll take a little bit of a different angle, but we asked one of our tour guides, uh, as Simon and I were walking around the property, we stopped him and said, my goodness, how did you engage the parish in this project? And without missing a beat, this person looked at us and said, we didn't. So I, 
I'll let you guess which one of the places that was. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we are really excited about this next year together, about the future together, and just quickly our timeline. In, in January, you're going to have an opportunity to hear from Simon, other parishioners on the history of All Saints, what makes this place so special. We want to get your input into what your values, what the guiding principles of our work should be as we move forward in this exciting time. Uh, we're going to get grounded in what makes All Saints, All Saints to you. And in part two, which will be our local community engagement, many of you might be saying, I thought we already met with the community, didn't we do that for this first year? All of that process over the first year was our just learning what's going on around us. And as you just drive around Midtown, as you've come and sat here, as you read the paper, you realize there's so much going on. And we couldn't have possibly started this envisioning process with you without understanding what's going on in the neighborhood. Now we're going to sort of flip that a little bit, and we're going to ask the neighborhood what they could see from All Saints and how All Saints can engage with them. We think that's a really important process as we move into the engagement with you because we want you to know as you start to envision what this block could be, what the community around us is doing and what the community around us might need and want from, from a parish. Um, I, I'll just read a line that's in the handout that you have. Um, we, we'll engage a local community in identifying potential opportunities for collaboration and mutual benefit to ground ourselves in the need of our neighbors and the city that we serve. I think that's a really interesting line. There's a date in here, February 1st. I, I learned a new word in this process. It's called a charrette, and many of you probably know exactly what that is. That February 1st date is kind of being viewed as a community charrette. Uh, we want to hear um, what the community uh, would love to see from us, and we want you to be part of that, too. So that's an interesting date. I hope that uh, you all can join us for that. Part three, this is when we get pretty intense with you through a number of different avenues, as Simon's pointed out. There will be a survey. There will be dinners. There will be meetings here and in other classrooms, and this is when you're going to really have an opportunity to, to tell us what you need and want from the block and from the future here. That's going to start in March and will carry forward into the summer. We will be able to take a, a, a look at everything that you've discussed and you wanted to do. And then in the fall, when we get to part four, we'll be able to start honing our vision. So the idea is that we've started with a massive funnel of opportunities. We've engaged the community, we've engaged you, and we'll narrow into a few different opportunities that we could see on the block and in part four, we'll hone that vision. We'll start looking at uh, capabilities um, on, on our block. Along the way, we're going to look at financing. We're going to look at massing studies. We're going to look at um, other logistical uh, deals that will, will impact what we can and cannot do on the block. So all of that is going on parallel to the conversations with you and the community. And then finally, in part five, of as we move into this time next year and into January and February of 2021, we hope to have a vision that we can celebrate with each and every one of you that you had a part in and envisioning with us. So. Simon, is that a fair representation of what we've talked about on the team? You're hired. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think we're, we're good. Yeah, that, that does sound very fair. Um, and I, I had an opportunity to ha have breakfast with, with Jeffrey uh, this, uh, this last week in London at the Compass Rose meeting. And I was saying, oh, wh what are you up to? Is that we're going to be having, you know, launching into this block work next year? And he says, well, I hope you have fun. 
And I think that's a wonderful way to look at it, that we may enjoy this journey, that we'll have fun, that it will be something that we'll find joy in. Um, and if, you, if you're kind of thinking, well, I wonder what, and you, you find yourself that you've really hoped for the 62-story parking structure uh, all, all these years, <laughs> and uh, the person next to you in the pew just can't see the vision, um, <laughs> there is nothing like going to chat with a child. I mean, if you, if you, if you ever just want to get yourself lifted up at some point next year, go up to one of the children in the parish and say, what do you want to do here? They will come up with it all, uh, and it will, be, it will be wonderful and surprising. As our beloved Harry has told us many times from the pulpit on Easter Day, God is a surprise, and I imagine God will surprise us yet next year. We have about 10 minutes for questions. Also happy for those to be uh, comments, but I prefer there not be sermons. So um, I will <laughs> trust you to discern the difference between all three. It's Hey, uh, <coughs> you're talking about a shred? What What on earth is that? <laughs> what, what's a shred, Michael? Yeah, now you're I, the expert. I, 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 there, there are plenty more experts in this room, and somebody can better explain this than me, but in the world of architecture, it's an opportunity to sit in a room together and essentially brainstorm a possibility. So I would envision a, a board where you might be sketching out drawings someone raising an idea, hey, let's have a 68-story parking garage, and someone else saying, well, here are the problems with that. So it's a brainstorming session and an opportunity to narrow different ideas that might be of interest to the group and beyond. If, if someone has a better explanation than that, There's probably 16 architects in the room are thinking this. Yeah, guy, right. Um, but yes, that sounds about right to me. I'm going to start with Steve and then come right to you. Has, has uh, All Saints had any discussions with Norfolk Southern about possibly, well, first of all, of course, parking, but any other cooperation? We have, we started our year together, learning together with a conversation with Cousins. That was our very first meeting, and they clearly have Norfolk Southern's ear. We haven't had an opportunity outside of a few different connections to have deep conversations with them. Parking is something we initially did talk with them about. And here's the challenge. They've got a 24-7 facility over there. And on the weekends, even though most of their parking structure, which I believe is going to be 15 stories, half below, half above, most of that will not be in use on the weekends. The security may prevent us from being able to, to use that. But we are talking with them about it. And I'll just add to that that parking is, is, is way up there at the very top of our list of, of concerns for the parish. So uh, I think that's going to be a non. It might be one, two, and three. Just below Jesus, you know. So, um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, we're, we're, it, it'll, it'll happen, yeah. So. How much acreage do we have to work with? That is going to be a constraint on our vision. If I can remember, and one of you guys correct me, it's just under three acres, I believe. I know we have that number, but I don't have it on the top of my head. But, it, but, but you're right. The, the, the space is absolutely a constraint. And part of what we're going to talk about when we begin engaging with the parish is, you know, you, you can think of our block, just, just think of it in quadrants, right? So you've got sanctuary, you've got our quadrant, you've got this one where parking deck is, and you've got Goodfellas quadrant, right? So you can just divide it into four. Part of our conversations with you is if we're going to do anything on this block, which by the way, it could be nothing. If we're going to do anything, 
which areas do we want to consider for any sort of work? Sir. Bob. Any questions? Any building on the block that's sacrosanct? Well, given that parking is just below Jesus, I'd like to say that Jesus, uh, <laughs> place where we worship, Jesus may be a good one to keep. Uh, yes, I think certainly. Um, no, th I think that, uh, probably I'll just take this one, the, the, the church building is, you know, I think you probably all know this, off limits. Um, and the rest of that really is a conversation. That's the most sort of bold thought. The mo we may decide to go through all of this and say, yeah, you know, we like it as it is. Let's uh, let's put a lick of paint on uh, Tate Hall and call it good. Or we may say, let's look at a, the other end of that spectrum. And I think it is an open conversation from with all of that. Um, that that and all of that is with the working assumption that what we prize today as a church, uh, that we're a church for all sorts of people, that we're a, a church that has we have. We have 500, it's a mind-blowing number, but we have 500 children and youth here at All Saints. We clearly prize children and youth. Um, we clearly prize our worship life, our formation life, our life of service, the impact we made in the city, many, many things. Um, and that we've got this beautiful open space in our courtyard. And part of the work will be, let's get closer to that and understand what it is about this life that we share. But a working assumption I have is that we're not going to radically change in the church that we are. So yes, still worshiping Jesus um, and trying to follow Jesus in the world. Um, after that, it's a good conversation. It's an interesting thing to learn, having preached about the foundation stone of Eggleston, take a walk around it, uh, that, that Eggleston is not made of the same material all the way around the building. The facade or the front, the West Peachtree facade or center is the same stone. In fact, I, I was uh, reading up uh, uh, Margaret Langford's book last night and they reopened the quarry, you may know that yourself, but they reopened the quarry that they used to build the church building so that Eggleston could be built, but that didn't, that stone wasn't used for the whole building. So there's actually a difference in quality in, in the building material used there. So these start to be the details that matter over time. Any other questions or comments? Simon, I want to, real quick as you're finding the next person, total acreage is 2.857 acres. We have a west half and an east half if you sort of take the driveway right here and cut that in half. So east half, 1.3, west half, 1.54. Just to give you an idea. I was wondering what you found out when you were talking to the community in terms of what they're doing and what they see the needs are for this area. Brooke, that's a, that would be a long answer, just in, but, uh, but it gives me an opportunity to, to say that because we, we spend the whole year listening to the community in its various sort of iterations from the big institutions like Tech and Emory to, um, to, to people that are developing residences or businesses and um, service agencies, which there are many, we'll be putting together a sort of summary document that will, that will capture all of that. It is available on our website, but we'll be producing a, a hard copy version of that. Um, I would just say that the, the needs are plenty and the hopes are plenty. And uh, one of the beautiful things for me about this part of town and this part of America is that it is not finished yet uh, with wanting to, to, to sort of uh, reimagine its future, to, to, to continue to struggle, we would call it in the church, uh, justice and peace for all people. I see that all around us in lots of different ways. It's a place that is, this is a, a hub of, a, a corridor of innovation um, that, that was not like this 20 years ago. 
Um, so there's just a lot of exciting stuff happening. It's too much to sort of capture in one thought, but I would, I would gladly, gladly pull me aside and I'd love to share more. And some of that information we have shared at, at prior sessions, and I would encourage you to check out our website, thefutureofablock.org. Um, there, all of the information and handouts that we've provided at other meetings is available online for you to review. We're happy to answer any other questions. Um, so I was wondering about housing and um, how that is going to be prioritized. I would love to see housing prioritized over parking. Um, it's very hard to find a three-bedroom condo or three-bedroom apartment, which families need. Um, and if we're adding jobs and uh, businesses here in Midtown, then it would be a wonderful gift to the city if we could add housing right across the street from Marta Station. Yeah, absolutely, and that's exactly the type of thing we, we hope to have uh, voiced um, as we move into the new year. Um, I, I will tell you that, that that theme has come up many, many times in our, our meetings internally and with also with our, with our neighbors. So that's, that's, a, that's a major issue. Um, uh, my question is about accessibility for the elderly and the handicapped within the campus. Um, <clears throat> when we work up, we do a lot of these uh, funerals of receptions for people, and it can be quite mind-boggling to get somebody from point A to point B. Thank you, you're right. My question is about the focus of looking at who is the block, because it seems like even in the graphics we looked at today, everything is focused on north, whereas our block extends south. There was a mention of Emory, but there's a lot that's south and west. And I have emailed the committee about this as well and got no response. And today we still, there, yes, our block goes this way. Our neighborhood goes north. It also goes south. It goes across the interstate. So I, I'm going to take that one if I may. We're, we're almost at time. In a way, I'd referred that question back to last week's forum when we had Coma Yates and Mark Becker here thinking about access to quality education for all God's children, for all of Atlanta in all of its diversity. And from the Atlanta Speech School to Georgia State University, we've got two local institutions who really are moving the needle in terms of changing the face of um, what it means for a child to have access. And so in many ways, that, that's part of my, my sense of uh, expressed earlier that we are not going to change the church that we are because of this process. And it, it does behoove us to ask ourselves, what does All Saints mean to the community of English Avenue, for example? Um, as we learn our history, or as we retell our history, not really learn it, but retell that story, um, as you may know, Margaret's husband, Jack, was instrumental in the scout troop that was for many years, and it made a profound difference in the life of all sorts of children, including the children that were part of Techwood Homes across what is now across the freeway. And those children, now adults with children of their own, still tell the Langfords those stories. That's our history. That's who we are. Um, um, certainly would just in, encourage you to, to step more deeply into that and to claim that. And I, and I thank you, Helen, for raising that up, that we don't, don't forget any part of that or any part of our story. Um, we're trying to be wise to what's happening around us 
in lots of different ways, and it will simply be very hard to, to not notice the building that's going to go up over here. It will change the landscape of All Saints forever. It's just going to be a great big whopping glass tower. <laughs> There's not a lot we can do about that other than embrace what does that mean for our mission just in the same way when the stadium went up, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium went up, the question had to be asked, what does that mean for that neighborhood in Atlanta? Or yesterday I got to hear Greg Cole, our own parishioner and executive director of Emmaus House, talk about the rapidly changing, gentrifying um, context for the work of Emmaus House and the, the, the way that, that uh, the work of that uh, part of the diocese and the Freedom School has changed, has moved the needle for, for children who've had poor, or have access to poor quality education to have a better chance at literacy because of their work. So my encouragement is for you to, to as I said before, let your voice be heard. Um, that's been our endeavor this year and will continue to be our endeavor as we move forward into next year. Um, please don't be at any of these sessions or hear any of this process go on. We will be, uh, uh, unrepentantly imperfect throughout all of this. I fully intend to make a good number of mistakes next year. Um, we will communicate and 50% of the time we'll hit the target, 50% of the time we'll end up saying the wrong thing. That's okay. But please don't assume that what you care about is not what this church cares about. But we all know that we're not gonna get what we want. That's the beauty of being part of community. Uh, we're going to have our passion, our vision, and then we're going to arrive somewhere together. But we do want to hear what you care about, what you think should matter, and already does matter in this community. So having asked not to have people deliver sermons, I guess that was one. But I'm going to draw us to an end. If you have questions, um, please do. Um, I would love to hear from you offline. Um, we'd, we'd, we... We worked really hard to make sure there's a response. So I'd love to chat with you, Helen, about why that wasn't a response that you heard uh, or didn't hear back. Please do join me, if you would, though, in giving thanks for the work of the steering committee this year.